Broadcast Network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. AfterBuzz TV, the destination for TV superfans. Producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows. Interviewing celebrities and showrunners. And bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Hello and welcome to a brand new UFC AfterBuzz TV. My name is Daria Baronado and I'm here with my two adorable co-hosts. Mr. George Aramosa and Mr. J. Tan. Hey, lady. Well, I have missed you guys. I literally haven't been with you guys in a while. <laughs> it's we haven't. Because I missed the last been over UFC two weeks, one. right? Well, more, because I missed the last UFC one, and then I didn't catch you guys this past Thursday. Oh, the last Fighter. Oh, past Friday. Yeah, the previous yeah. Ultimate um, Fighter. I think the last time... You went, dude. She's sick. Don't. Yeah. Now you're spreading it. Oh no! Oh! oh. I did not. I, I washed together. my hands right before we came on, so maybe it won't. Thanks spread. for the bola, Horge. Oh, Nicely done. Too soon. Too soon, Jay. No, it's still um, done. Guys, <laughs> we're here tonight talking about Aldo versus Mendez two. It happened over the weekend in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, and boy, was it exciting! It went all five rounds, but we're gonna get to that later. First, at the very, very bottom of this card. We're going to start with the second prelim of the night because it's my teammate. The opener. And my dear friend, uh, Christos Yagos. We had him on the show maybe a month or two ago. Mm -hmm. Um, He trains at a systems training center in Hawthorne along with myself. He had his UFC debut. But even uh, even the commentators were mentioning that it was not an easy debut. It was against Gilbert Burns, who you guys might recognize from the corner of Vitor Belfort. Mm-hmm. He is Vitor Belfort's jiu-jitsu coach. So this guy is no joke, no noob to, to MMA, just to the UFC. Yeah, there was a lot of buzz uh, between the people that knew both of these guys. Yeah. You know, a lot of buzz with uh, with the match itself uh, going into it. Right. Uh, Christos, of course, coming in uh, undefeated and a two-time champion in previous um, uh, previous excuse me promotions. Right, right. And, um, you know, and, of course, him... Also, uh, ironically, uh, Alan Juban, who will be fighting in Brazil in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Both of them, uh, I guess, occasionally training together, but both of them fighting right. eight and zero guys, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and um, yeah, Christos of- was ten and two. Uh, mm-hmm. Gilbert Burns was eight and zero. Now nine and zero. Christos lost in the last thirteen seconds of round one uh, mm. with a, a really brutal, beautiful, brutal, brutal uh, armbar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he was doing great on his feet, really owning the center of the cage, in my opinion, uh, the first three or so minutes yeah. until uh, Burns took him down. Mm. Yeah. Burns got him down, and, and at that point, he really swarmed on him, seemed to have him against the cage, yeah. controlling Christos uh, against the cage pretty well. Yeah. yeah. But, but uh, you're talking about a guy that is the jiu-jitsu coach for mm-hmm. one of, you know, one of MMA's best. So that says a lot. Yeah. That, that, you know. He definitely is, was he a third degree black belt, I think, out of Black Zillions in Boca Raton, Florida? Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know it off the top of my head. Yeah, <laughs> I think he's a third degree black belt. Uh, he, but he trains, definitely trains with Black Zillions, which are, you know, infamous MMA, MMA jiu-jitsu practitioners mm-hmm. at that. So, yeah. tough fight. Christos, yeah. congratulations for getting out there for your first time and putting on a very interesting performance for that first round. Um, we Come on back, buddy. Definitely are going to see you back soon. Come back to the buzz here. He, br- he broke the streak. Every guy that we had won 
He did, but he... we had him on, and then he had a a, a fight oh. with RFA, and he yeah. won. So technically, he won. technically, technically, he your didn't... next fight he yeah. won, but he didn't come it's on after we, Buzz. It's because he, yeah, exactly. So that's why. Yeah, the rub now of you know. the buzz is still alive. Christos, yeah. come get your rub of the rub of the buzz, as the boys say. <laughs> it sounds really creepy when I say it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's go. Uh, we're gonna go right up from there. Uh, Diego Ferreira versus Benil Darush. Uh, Benil Darush won via unanimous decision, 30-27. Uh, then we had, ooh, this one was pretty ugly. Darren, the Damage Elkins mm-hmm. versus Lucas Monero Martins. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that match, well, let's, let's just say, I mean, there were quite a mm-hmm. few decisions on the card. You know, the card overall to me felt like, uh, um, the, the early finishes, Right. Were, were interesting and exciting. It was a pretty in that respect. It was a pretty decent card, uh-huh. uh, but there were a lot of decisions. Elkins and Martins, I had an issue with, and I think probably Darren did as well. Um, to me, Darren Darren had a uh, had a really good fight. Um, right. It was a split decision, which surprised me. This means that you know somebody saw the match for Lucas Martin. I scored at twenty. Uh, uh, sorry, thirty twenty seven for uh, Elkins for Elkins across the board right. and. How anybody saw it for Martins, I don't get it. Other than if you're scoring from a basis of facial damage. Uh, well, no, yeah, that there's it's that. It's something we talked about earlier. Yeah, yeah, my, my new theory of the vicarious face test. Um, but you know, Martins, so El- Elkins was really aggressive with his takedowns. Right, he was working for it, and there was a lot of uh, a lot of um, takedown offense. Um, or takedown attempts, you know, clinch against the cage. Um, and when they would break apart, you know, Elkins was, uh, um, Martins landed some good, uh, elbows and knees breaking apart from the clinch. Right. Um, but I just felt that Elkins was that much more aggressive and, and got, you know, uh, got a number of takedowns. So to me, it was, it was pretty obvious, you know, but, uh, somebody, Saw that uh, you know that Martins, I guess, in his patience or you know a, a counter striking. I think they were strategy. Lo- the only thing they, in my opinion, they could have been looking at uh, to give to Martins was, I guess, his stability in taking the damage he did and right. and remaining mm-hmm. equal or remaining mm-hmm. there instead of you know yeah. He wasn't getting like knocked down every five seconds or anything like that. It's almost it? like getting points for for. What do you think, George? Sustaining. It's not the first time that's happened, and I'm sure it's not going to be the last time right. that happens. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's always a little frustrating when you see that. Always, yeah. It always goes back to the judges and the frustration of the judges. Imagine if somebody else would have scored it the same way; mm-hmm. it would have been a complete robbery of Darren Elkins' victory. You know, right? Yeah, so, yeah, I agree. It just kind of sucks that sometimes it's got to be that way. It just do you think it's something that just has to come with the territory or do you think at some point it'll get better in the future? I think any time. I mean, it from high school basketball, I remember when I played sports in high school, you always have to deal with home court advantage. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you go to Brazil and to be honest when you're fighting a Brazilian, in my head as a fighter, I think finish it. Don't mm-hmm. let it go to the judges. Right. Don't take that risk. Not to say that they're always biased and that they're always going to make these mistakes or always going to. Well, you we know, also don't know who fake. the judges were. That's on, true. On I don't I, even I know which names. judge uh, scored it the other way. But just as a fighter, you always want to go in there with the mindset like, okay, this isn't my home. This isn't my territory. Mm-hmm. There's a the chance that they could be biased against me. Yeah. I want to finish this fight. Not to say that he didn't try to finish it. I'm yeah, just saying. Yeah. I, I tend to think sometimes the, the nationalism, uh, the angle that, you know, you're, 
judging based on nationalism, right? Uh, or or maybe more liberal because of that is a little bit is played up a little bit too much. Now, in these international shows, right. uh, as I understand it, Zufa brings in judges and referees from the United States. Um, you know, I believe probably certified in Nevada. And if mm. they don't have enough of those, perhaps they go uh, to other states and, and fly them in. You know, they self-regulate on international shows. Uh-huh. Um, although I believe Brazil does have a, a regulating body down there, come to think of it. Um, so, again, we don't know who the judges were. Um, it's subjective in general. What we're talking about is three people watching this match and deciding who was the guy that won each round individually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not who won the match overall at the end of it, but mm-hmm. each individual round. And that mathematics can add up in screwy ways. You know, one way of fixing it would be more rounds. The other way, more immediately to fix it, is uh, the criteria. The judges globally who are judging these fights need to be on the same page. And that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. And that may be an issue with judges being in different countries. May also be an issue with experience. You know, right. some judges that have uh, got judges that have worked more on shows, they're going to be more in tune with, uh, with with the criteria at this high level, as opposed to somebody that is has been making his bones up the ladder of judging and, right. and officiating, and has only done one or two or three, you know, high level events like this. Well, I think there's. Uh, I think there's still flaws in in the actual structure of judging. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. we've talked to Big John about it every time we've seen him. He always mentions yeah. it that it's still it's still a system where there's so much room for error and flaw. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's so much that the judges are sitting there being like, "Hmm, this is my opinion." I think it's more so that, like you said, they're on different scales. You know, yeah. what I mean? this guy's looking at this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. This guy's looking at this, this, and that. Yeah. And it's just not adding up to be the same numbers. Yeah. So that's obviously something that we as MMA fanatics want to see change in the next couple of years, hopefully. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, a lot of things, a lot of people think that former fighters should be some of the guys that are judging. There's something to be said for that. But there's, yeah. then there's a lot of politics to deal exactly. with there. Exactly. I mean, oh, I used to train with him or he's my arch But at the same time, I mean, it, it's, not, it's not really the fighters getting to decide what fights they get to judge. It's the, the, the uh, person, whoever decides who the judges are. Yeah. It's their job to put, all right, cool. Right. I can't put this fighter with that fighter. So let me put this person, I mean, judge. this judge, as for this fighter. So yeah, it's just a little extra work, but I mean, yeah, that, that happens. Yeah, you can be on the same card as mm-hmm. maybe a fighter you've trained with in the past. Just don't work <laughs> that fight. And at that high level, of course, it's pretty open of who you have or haven't trained with in the mm-hmm. past. You know, right? But you still have favorites and mm-hmm. and guys you've you know, like if you're a wrestler, then you might favor the wrestler because exactly. you look for different things. I think that I think that would impose too much personal opinion upon judging. Right, and but that's I mean, where the standard criteria is needed. You know? Exactly. That's, what, that's, that's a good point. For it. That's why we need to have it because maybe there's these personal you know, biases that are already there that we don't talk about or whatever. It's, the, it's a matter of the judges understanding this is what we're looking for. Right. Okay, that's even if you, whether you're a, 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 bo- a former boxer or a former wrestler, right. here's the criteria. And it's yeah. been there in the unified rules for many years. Um, but there's different ways to interpret it. And I think that clarification of the interpretation, whether you're right. talking about um, if it's one guy dominating another guy for the whole round, is that a 10-8 or is it 10-9? That's one, argue, one discussion to, to clarify. Right. The other one is um, if is quantity of damage versus quality. 
So if somebody <clears throat> like the Gray Maynard and Frankie Edgar, you know, the the infamous ten eight, that first I forget it was second match, I think. Second match, uh first round, when Gray was just just had this first minute of dominating and you know, and throwing him around right. Uh, knocking them all over the cage that first minute. After that, it evened out a bit more. So was that uh, same argument, I suppose, in, in this case, so the ten eight or ten nine? But the same thing. If if the if Frankie Edgar in that instance had he gone and dominated the other four minutes of that round, does that first minute of getting your ass handed to you left right. and right? Does that mean <sighs> that you've lost the uh, you've lost the match or those four minutes? You know, mm-hmm. quantity. Of those four minutes right. versus quality of that one minute. Well, that's where I think uh, the judge's opinion come in, which I believe is wrong. I think that it needs to be more black and white so there's not all this gray area that comes mm-hmm. down to personal opinion. It needs yeah. to be like, okay, mm-hmm. since that happened, that gives him one more point or so on. You know, I'm not very good with my with, with my law, but I know when you're a juror, part of a jury, mm-hmm. you know, you need to have proof wh- why you pick one side or the other. Right. Same thing with judging a fight. You need to have proof why why did he do better in that first minute? Mm-hmm. Why are you giving him that extra point? Because other than that, we just have people running around, you know, giving their opinions on a fight, which yeah. Yeah. you know it doesn't really work in the sport. I mean, I'm kind of curious what other people think. Because not just us, but you know whether it's the YouTube comments or if yeah. you want to tweet us. Like I'm really interested on what everybody else thinks. You know, that's a good idea. What, Let us again, know, guys. It's again, it just it, there's three judges on a fight. Uh-huh. You know, it's not just their opinion; it's everyone else's as well. So I am kind of curious what everyone else thinks. Real quickly, let's go to the production booth. I'm wondering, do we have a uh, phone capabilities in this studio? Can we let out the phone number? Yeah, the number is four two four two five six one six three three. Anybody that's checking us out right now, feel free uh, to call in. Let's talk can about I, uh, it. Coco, coco. Oh, that was a cookie call. <laughs> it, it's a Halloween cookie. We are being breaking the fourth wall. Live internet. We got cookies. We got live phone calls. It's and probably the as the wor- shots on me. I'm taking a sip. It's probably the worst kind of cookie to eat on air too. It's an Oreo. A Halloween Oreo. Hey, oh, geez, don't man. do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Okay, I'll take it over from there. On the next, next on the card, yep. we have, uh, let's see, Darren, the Damage Elkins, and <laughs> Lucas Martin. No, Fabio. <laughs> nope, <laughs> that's not who we have. <laughs> so we the already judges, went over that. Right? <laughs> I think there's a problem with the judges. No, Fabio Maldonado. Uh, Fabio Maldonado and Hans Stringer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fabio won via TKO in round two. Talk one word to summarize this fight. Oh, it's not one one phrase. Ground and pound. Yeah. Wow. Nice, nice comeback from him, eh? Yes. Yeah. Holy, holy. Hans it, was successful with his takedowns in the first round. Yeah, Hans was playing the open guard for the majority mm-hmm. of the first oh. round. Cut it, I think he cut him open too, right? Yeah. Yep. He cut open Fabio. Right. With some great ground and pound of his own from, from the guard. But Fabio then, has got a jaw on him. Like, oh, you can hit yeah. that guy. In the, just look up uh, Glover Teixeira versus Fabio Maldonado. Fabio got beat up. But he kept going. He kept going. going. Timex takes a look and keeps on ticking. And I think the only reason why they called it is because pretty much he was pretty much done as far as cardio goes. But, I mean, he just got getting hit and hit by Glover. Yeah. And that guy does not give up. Yeah. But in this case, in the the second round, uh, I have here that uh, Maldonado got on top even Mm -hmm. after a takedown, I Uh believe. And uh, was able – yeah, so he he got on top and just started – Landing away with uh, with punches, laying down haymakers. Yeah, and, they should. I, I was stringer turtled up. We were all watching. I'm watching it for the first time. I'm like, all right, now you can stop the fight. We're gonna stop the fight. 
Oh God, you're gonna stop the fight anytime soon. Yeah, because yeah. it should be, it should have been stopped about 17 punches ago. It, it was this. It, yeah. He was doing this. And it wasn't it's like, doing anything. So it, it was like, at that point, that's no longer defense. You're not defending yeah. yourself by. Keep, yeah, you're keeping your hands in front of your face, but it's like I mean, at that point, it was like doing mm-hmm. nothing for yeah. him. So good for Fabio. I mean, what a cool moment! Remember when he came up and Anderson Silva comes up. Anderson kinda, Silva kind of embrace jumped on the cage well, as Fabio was, was on a, the cage. That was a cool. And it was cool so moment. cool. Oh my god, Anderson Silva jumping on the cage congratulating you in that moment right there. But I guess you were asking, I think Fabio trains with the Nogueras, is that their connection? Yeah, Nogueras, uh, I believe, maybe Novo Onyao, I could be wrong about that, but, uh, you know, Nogueras brothers, and, um, you know, I, I don't know too much about the connection between uh, Anderson and mm. Fabio, but clearly... I think it's no good. Um, I think they might well, have mentioned I might have been wrong. Even right. after the fight, Fabio, uh, in, in his interview, Fabio was like, I haven't I haven't spoken to Anderson Silva in so long. It was so mm-hmm. nice to see him. It's like, oh, really? Yeah. So they haven't even... It's not even like they're close acquaintances where they talk on a regular basis. Yeah. They haven't even spoken in a while. I'm sure they tweeted each other. Every you think so? Then, yeah. <laughs> it's a special moment anytime when one of the all-time greats jumps up on the cage Deep. with yes. you and celebrates. But that's just one of those cool moments that you look back on the UFC. You always see that moment from two years ago to the first Aldo Mendez when as soon as Aldo wins, he goes to the crowd. The crowd yeah. goes crazy. I think this is going to be another one. He runs in the crowd. Yeah. It started like a, like a... Yeah, it com- yeah, almost like a riot. Yeah. They all just go crazy. I think this is going to be one another another one of those moments where it's just kind of a cool image of, you know, just them embracing. Right. Just, you got the literally... One of the greatest of all time, maybe mm-hmm. even the greatest, pretty much kind of coming in and congratulating giving props, you. congratulating. Absolutely. Maybe even like a passing the torch, even though I don't think Fabio will ever maybe be in the top five or so. But still, it's, it's still pretty cool. It know? is cool. It was a cool moment. Like Jay was mentioning earlier, we are wrapping up this year soon. Yeah. And we're going to be able to talk about all of our favorite moments, favorite fights, favorite fighters mm-hmm. of 2014, which yeah. was a big year for MMA. Like we said, I think this is one of those years where we had influx of M- we really have had more content than ever. Mm-hmm. Absolutely true. But yeah, we've also that, had some We've so also had It's yeah. hit and miss cuz there've been a lot of injuries uh-huh. and uh, matches that we didn't get to see because mm-hmm. of injuries. This was a uh, this year was the UFC was a little bit snake bit with uh, unfortunately with champions getting injured and you know missing between uh, drug tests and and injuries. <laughs> a little bit of well. everything. There's drug been a little tests, bit of everything. Yeah. Retirement. I want to make a note though as well. You know about uh-huh. this uh, Fabio and Anderson on the cage thing. Go ahead. Fabio is yeah he was a two hundred five er and he was probably you know up towards two thirty there. Anderson uh, he's training but he's probably walking in the uh, uh, mid uh, mid two hundreds I would guess. So. That tells you that's a pretty damn sturdy cage. That's two guys. That's almost probably about 500 pounds balanced on the cage. Uh, One point. That that little bad boy didn't tip. Do you think a U of MMA could have held that uh, much weight? A U of MMA cage? I would love to find out because mm-hmm. that means that Anderson Silva is on a U of MMA cage. Oh, no, no, no. I'm okay that's with that. that. A couple 200-pound guys. The U of MMA cage is tiny. If I remember. Well, yeah, it's a smaller one a, because of uh, the size of the stage that okay. we're on. Okay, is that but, why? Yeah. But, okay. um, you know, sometimes that's also the case as well for uh, for UFC. They use different size cages depending on the really? venue that they're in. Yeah. I did not know that. I don't know what size this was. Um, obviously, it was a pretty decent size uh, stadium, right. so they could have possibly used what? a full 30-footer. But Th- you know. Think about guys like, I don't know, like Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Running into that cage, those cages take oh, some yeah. damage. Yeah. So, but that's a very good point that that cage is sturdy, Jay. Yep. Uh, next up, we have Glover Teixeira and Phil, Mister Wonderful Davis. No that's X, right? No X. No X. Teixeira. 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 
Teixeira. Glover Teixeira. Um, Phil Davis is obviously uh, an NCAA wrestling from champ. Penn State. From mm-hmm. Penn State. Yeah. My neck of the woods. But, oh, my gosh, did he prove it again. Mm-hmm. His wrestling in this fight blew me away. The storyline of it, uh, Phil Davis wins by uh, unanimous decision, 30-27 across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, the storyline of the match to me was Phil using his wrestling and getting uh, – holding – Glover in a position that I was referring to as folk style wrestling top position. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're uh, from amateur and high school wrestling, um, if you go back, it's a position. Hey, you're right here, George. You, you're going to miss out on this on iTunes, so go to the, the YouTube. <laughs> but if you're here, folk style wrestling, if we're on the ground, if George is on all fours, I would be in top position here. Put your arm here. As we start out each period, I've got my my arm here on his elbow and then wrapped around. You guys can't see it, but my arm up here, okay, and I'm behind him. Yeah, Um, not quite a, uh, not quite, well, him almost prone and me almost, you know, right behind him kind of thing. But Uh this is where we start. And uh, Jones, not Jones, sorry, Davis, Davis Davis kept Glover in this position for a very long time, most of, uh, a lot of the the match. And he was, well, in this case, it was, I'm on George's left side, but. Phil was on the right side, and he was throwing uppercuts right here. Going As right you can see pocket. on the YouTube video here, uppercuts <laughs> right to Glover the whole time. And thank you. I need an um, Oreo. <laughs> <laughs> and that just won uh, Phil Davis his match and my match against Horge. There, yes. <laughs> yes. Well said, well played, well demonstrated, Mr. J. Um, it was just, we see guys wrestle a lot in in MMA. We see it all the time. Mm-hmm. There's so many wrestlers that come from wrestling background to MMA. It's it's normal. It, but this was MMA wrestling. This was wrestling that was so well incorporated into mixed martial arts. I think even Brian Stan said it when he was doing the announcing. He said, I don't know if casual MMA fans can really appreciate this fight as much as we can. Because oh, They should. I mean, it was such great domination of yeah, and, and control a, he, he proves a good point a lot of a lot of people look at uh you know fights with a lot of wrestling in it and they get bored because mm-hmm. they don't understand exactly what's happening or how hard it is to maintain that position yeah. whereas you know people that watch the sport more we really understand oh my god he's holding and glover to is one of the bigger guys in that weight division mm-hmm. so to hold him there that whole time he's strong yeah and control him I mean, like you said he only had one hand on him while he was throwing uppercuts under that under that shoulder yeah. i mean well, the key was that uh, oh, his legs. Beautiful. I mean, we can't we can't demonstrate it here, but uh, Phil did a good job controlling Glover's legs with yes. his own legs. Yes, and it Very wasn't riding point. legs in in amateur MMA, but he did uh, was able to keep him on the ground. Now, to in, in Glover's defense, he was able to get up uh, you know, quite a few times, but Phil would keep taking him down again. He was and relentless with those takedowns. Yeah, yeah, which is what any good wrestler. You know, is. when when Phil and John uh, John Jones first appeared in the UFC. Uh-huh. I felt so much, and I think it's still still the case in in a lot of ways that they were so similar. These are tall, lanky guys that use their wrestling very well. They have a wrestling pedigree, and they use it very well mm-hmm. creatively in the cage. Mm-hmm. Phil Davis, you know, has come up with a couple. I mean, he's he's known for a couple different submissions that you just don't see in MMA. Where right. At one point, you know, it was a modified camel clutch from pro wrestling that he right, used. Right. I think it was in the submission match. It wasn't the UFC. Um, and then I believe he had a modified 
gosh, what was it? Almost like a reverse, like an anaconda, dragon shape. sleeper anaconda with the Kimura tapped in there against uh, uh, Tim Boach several years ago, That's and he what, called it the Mister Wonderful. No one, no one, there wasn't even a name for it, you know. Right. And so, obviously, John Jones has gone on, and his career has skyrocketed as it has. Um, Phil, you know, got stopped. I think lost a little bit of momentum in his fight against uh, Rashad Evans a couple of years ago. But I still think that there is huge potential for Phil, and I think we saw that in this as well. Again, he used his wrestling creatively and effectively. That's a very good point to make. Is that Jones? George is disagreeing with me. With what? Me what? 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 I, I wasn't a big fan of the of the fight. I think from the from that MMA <laughs> wrestling stand. What, what's wrong? How? Well, I I'm, know. Explaining, I'm explaining it. Yes. You're too busy. <gasps> Home alone. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. What was it? Oh yeah. So I, I think you're right from that wrestling MMA standpoint. But I think from a guy who's in the top five type top six, I don't think he's ready for that upper echelon yet. I, th- I think okay. that he needed well, to incorporate a little bit more of his striking because I'm thinking, yes, he's good. Yes, he has a lot of good wrestling, but no, he's not anywhere close to maybe John Jones. Even, no. you, you even mentioned uh, Daniel Cormier. Daniel Cormier would wipe the... <laughs> Whoa! Daniel Cormier would wipe the... Chair floor. alert! <laughs> oh, oh. Daniel Cormier would wipe the floor with him. That's what... Look, another cookie. That's why you <laughs> she, just had a problem with your chair, you're, big you're guy. Fall, you're falling? You said, oh, oh. She thought it was the cookie call. <laughs> oh, the cookie call. Um, hold on. For all of you on iTunes, George's... Uh, chair is <laughs> his malfunctioning. chair just, yeah, destroyed and uh, he lost a few inches Let me just say this, there. though. You said... Of height. Make sure you say of height. <laughs> you um, said you weren't that big of a fan of this fight, so you, you have to take that back. I, I just... What do you mean? Because you, you didn't just prove that. What no. you just proved is that you don't think he's ready for the top four, top five. Well, just looking back, because especially with Teixeira, I'm like, eh, I never thought Teixeira was all that. Uh, I, I like the fact that he did get a title shot to show that he isn't, he doesn't belong in the top three, top five. Because, I mean, I think his claim to fame was being Chuck Liddell's, you know, training partner. Right. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, he had a, he had a lot of momentum. He beat Fabio. Um, I think he beat well, Ryan Bader and Rampage. But this is Rampage who is probably past his prime. Yeah, um, certainly unmotivated. I mean, that, yeah, was, that I mean, match it, was the fight was Rampage's good for what it was. was then. But it just coming from Phil Davis, I'm like, I, I want to see him dominate a little bit more because I know he can. If there's one thing I want, he won thirty twenty seven across the board, but not with it. I mean, just because he of his wrestling and I'm, amazing I'm, I'm wrestling. Saying, no, he worked who, in his ground and Who's there? next for Phil Davis? Well, let's take a look at the top yeah, five let's here. Take a look. You got Gustafson as number one. John Jones is facing number two, Daniel Cormier, in just a couple of months, right? Right. Gustafson is kind of waiting to figure out what happens. Gustafson lost to Phil Davis, I mean. Right. Uh, number two is, well, that was several years ago. No, and they, they trained together. Training as well. partners, yeah. So number, th- number two is Cormier. Number three is Rashad Evans. And. Phil Davis lost to Rashad a cu- again a couple no. of years ago. Number four so, is Glover. Number five is Anthony Johnson. Who We're beat not Phil quite... Davis. Right, right, right. Well. I say Glover Teixeira versus. I mean, not Phil Davis versus uh, number. Th- Who did you say number three was? Rashad. A rematch. Rematch. Yeah. Rashad yes. beat him. Rashad's but got a fight coming ago. up. Is Rashad? Uh, it was like a year and a half ago. At least he's hurt, isn't he? Hurt. Either, Rashad I, always gets hurt. Yeah, I mean, he's got. Um, I thought he had a match uh, scheduled, scheduled at some point already. pretty soon. Um, possibly even the eighty-five. Come to think of it, I could be. Maybe no, I'm wrong about that. But the lay of the land right now, 
The number one contender is a guy that is Phil's, uh, Phil's teammate and contemporary. Number two is getting the title shot. Number three is Rashad, question mark. Number four right. is Glover that he just beat. Number five, Anthony Johnson, who beat Phil, but is on the shelf for a little bit right so now. You say, you so know? you say Anthony Johnson versus Phil rematch? Uh, no, I mean, you can't do that. You can't book that right away because we don't know what's going on with Anthony, you know, in his personal life. But Phil beat right. a top five guy, whether, Overrated. W- whether he deserves to be there or not. You know, the lay of the land is that, um, you know, I could see, uh, possibly Gustafson, uh, finding out what happens. Gustafson, you know, uh, let me try and get this out of my mouth. I can see Gustafson being next in line for a title shot after Jones Cormier, and I think right. that the UFC has talked about that. Um, and if something doesn't <clears throat> prevents that for some reason, possibly Phil Davis being the guy to get in there. Yeah, I don't think that we've necessarily seen a long streak of dominant wins by Phil yet. Obviously, we didn't because the previous one was uh, Phil and Anthony Johnson, and Anthony owned him there. Uh, but that said, he beat a top five. He beat a guy that's ranked above him, whether he should no. be or not. And it was a great dominant performance. Yeah, it was. You know, I'm I'm okay I if a title see, match happens. I see what you mean again uh, about a stand up. I mean, if he goes against someone with lo- as long, he a didn't range, impress me. I guess you can say he he did what it, uh, what everybody expected him to do, which was great things. Yeah. yeah. Well, just, well, I mean, he out wrestled the guy. Let, let me just say this: if Glover Teixeira has a much shorter range than him. He wasn't getting in on on him, and definitely not enough to keep him back from his wrestling. Mm-hmm. If he goes against someone like John Jones, who has that equally long reach and decent, well, more than decent stand up mm-hmm. and good stand up, he, I agree that Phil Davis is definitely in trouble. So if if I were Phil Davis's coach, saying this is what you you know need to work on X, Y, and Z, I would say obviously it's using his reach to his advantage and using yeah. his stand up to utilize his wrestling more. Mm-hmm. But that being said, he didn't have to with Glover Teixeira. Glover Teixeira was not getting in on his face. He didn't get any any significant strikes that I can recall right now. Yeah. If he did, not enough to win it, obviously. Yeah. So there's definitely things on the drawing board for Phil Davis, but I think it was still a I mean, great he did, performance. He did challenge Anderson Silva in the post-fight interview. He did. That was a fun little uh, thing as well. That was fun. I was like, oh, boy. You know, but again, you're going to have to wait the same amount of time as you wait for the result of Jordan's Cormier. Right. And if Gustafson is, right. you know, now, goes yeah, there. You're but I'm kind of interested in, uh, did he say that as in, Maybe dropping down in weight because if he drops down in weight, I think he's got a really good shot at uh, being a high level middleweight. Mm. But I mean, who knows what he meant? Whether he meant he would lose some or... muscle mass, I would think. Yeah. Um, but Anderson's fought at two hundred five. No, you but know, I mean, he's not known to fight at two hundred five. If you're going to if you're going to gonna call someone out, are you going to call him out so they can come up to your uh, weight right. class? No, you're going to co- go down to his weight class if you're going to call him out. I agree. Yeah, and on top of that, he's in fighting Nick, like with who's whole, a with the 170 pound. I'm so yeah, excited with the whole Rousey cyborg thing. It's I like, was just going to compare yeah, it to that. Rousey's yeah, like, dude, if you want a shot, I'm not going to go up and wait. You got to <laughs> right. come down and fight me. You I'm know? the champ. You come get me, baby. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah, just I looking agree. at Phil's other matches here, and uh, you know, the other ar- argument to have or discussion is somebody a little bit below. Uh, below where he's ranked, possibly, you know, Ryan Bader, right. uh, Shogun. You know, obviously, Shogun fights in, in a week. Um, maybe the winner of that, maybe the winner of Showtime Manoa, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll see. A little we'll bit see. of a holding pattern for Dave, for Phil Davis, but I think that we've, uh, I think we're still yet to see the best from Mr. Wonderful. And there, I'm yeah, there's so many, there's so many big fights coming up between December and January. Mm-hmm. That's really, uh, you know, that New Year's Christmas time where, mm-hmm. where Dana White usually puts on some big fights. So I think we have a lot of deciding factors before we can yeah. really tell where these guys are going next. Yeah. What but, do we do with Glover? 
Let me think about his next match. Ovis, OSP? Mm-hmm. Possibly. That makes sense. Where's OSP ranked? Uh, number 10. 10. I believe he's – I think he's got a fight coming up as well, come to think of it. Are him and uh, maybe recently. Fabio? No, they already fought. I mean, they already fought. I totally forgot that they fought already. Fabio and uh, Glover. Was it Bader? Bader and uh, OSP pretty soon? No, that already happened. Did it happen? Bader won, yeah. Too many matches, man. Too many. Too many. <laughs> we'll get it straight, though. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the main event, guys. Let's Jose talk Aldo, about it. Jose Aldo and Chad Mendez, too. This mm-hmm. is a rematch Nothing from, uh, two like, and a half years ago. Yeah, yeah uh, January of 2012, yeah. right, was mm-hmm. their first match. And also in Brazil. Yeah. Also in Brazil. Much different. Chad Mendez, I give you many props because he used to be he used to be that wrestler. He used to be the Phil Davis, the guy who had his wrestling but uh-huh. on the feet no one was really scared of. Mm-hmm. He must have went back and took some notes from T.J. Dillashaw or whoever he works Dwayne with Ludwig. over there. Dwayne Ludwig. Yep. Oh, my God, his stand-up looked amazing. Yeah. Especially against Jose Aldo. Mm-hmm. Very cool stick-and-move style, yes. um, but also wasn't afraid to stay in the pocket. Reminded right. me, re- super fast, reminded me of uh, Frankie Edgar, you know, mm-hmm. in, in his prime when we see him, uh, right. his, BJ, his first BJ Penn match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, if you I, took I don't mean Frankie to take Edgar away. in the pocket mm-hmm. and TJ Dillashaw at the distance and mm-hmm. mixed them, I think that's what made Chad Mendes. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, of course... Uh, Jose Aldo did come out on top 49-46 unanimous decision. I disagreed the board. with the scoring. I thought, did yeah, I thought it was closer than that. Um, I mean, which ones I did you give him? Because we could talk. Uh, we could talk about this. Uh, round four was, mm-hmm. I think, was the most decisive going for Mendez, mm-hmm. um, and then round two. Really? Yeah, I, I gave Aldo one, two, and five. One, two, and five. And I gave okay. first Mendez by default three and four. And hmm. I would have scored it for Mendez for five, but he kind of backed away at the last 10, you said, 15 seconds. Yeah, the, those last seconds lost you for Mendez. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty even, but the fact that he kind of backed away, trying to, kind of waiting it. for the fight to end. Well, th- think about it, though. He, he already had a scenario where he fought Aldo before and he got knocked out in a millisecond by a f- random flying knee that he didn't see coming. Yeah, yeah. But if you're losing the fight already, I mean, the last well. thing he wanted to do was those last 15 seconds where Aldo's pushing as hard as he could push is to get knocked out by one of those crazy punches or whatever it may be off the cage. Yeah. So I think he was saying, get away from me, let but, I mean, time but it, run out. Well, yeah, well, well, you say that, but he did that. Oh, like, oh, maybe he had that mentality. Oh, I don't want to get knocked out, but you still lost. It's a lot better than getting knocked out. But you still lost. <laughs> yeah. So I'd rather go forward for those last 10, 15 seconds and have a chance of knocking him out. Yeah, I, because, I, see, because I see your mentality. He, he but did whatever you said, and he lost. Well, what if he didn't? What if maybe he would have knocked him out? We'll never know. I see what you're saying, but I still I still take my point of view on it. Being a fighter, mm-hmm. I there's a lot at risk there, and especially you know a title shot. I, yeah. I'd rather not be the guy that got knocked out by uh, Jose, Aldo, Jose Aldo twice. Mm-hmm. I'd rather be the guy that you know stayed there and brawled with him the second time. I had such a tough time scoring this one, and it I think tough. I still do. Yeah, it was I ended up, I slightly gave it to Aldo, very slightly. I gave, yeah. I definitely gave Aldo the first, third, and fifth. Um, my notes here, possibly the third was very close. Could give it either way. Um, you know, there there were a couple of eye pokes and uh, a groin shot that uh, in, involved in this match, which um, may or may not have taken away from. Uh, a stronger performance by Aldo. We were kind of talking again. Let's bring it back to what I'm calling vicarious face test. You know, <laughs> when a match is so close, or a round rather, when a round is so close, um, this is 
I, I know some judges uh, tend to, to fall into this, uh, this this criteria here. You look at the face of both the fighters and you go, which guy would I rather be? And so what's really interesting is that um, Aldo, Aldo's face looked the worst for wear at the end of the match. Um, but that by, said... By a long shot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that said, I, I think that... Um, I think he did win the match. I'm not sure if I give Mendez uh, two or four, but those those were super close. And as I said, you know, three as well. But I ended up giving it to uh, to Aldo. Right. So you know, when when you're at that point and you're sitting in the judge's position, now we have the we have the benefit of hindsight. We've gotten to watch it on TV. We've gotten to watch, you know, rewind it if we want to watch it a couple of times. Right. Those judges have to decide in those sixty seconds. seconds yeah. Right after the five minute fight uh, round has happened, so it's it's a tough scenario, and that is one criteria. Whether it's fair or not, and I kind of think that it's probably not. But when you're under the pressure to make that decision, you know that that can be a thing. Who did you give uh, round two to? Round two, uh, I believe that was the close one. It was a close one. I I said Mendez. Yeah, said I, I leans toward Mendez uh, a little bit. Um, he stayed in the pocket. It was really hard to uh, hard to score. That was the so, round. That so was let me ask you this real quick. I'm sorry. Yeah. So because the judges scored uh, four to one, what do you think? What round do you think the judges decisively gave Mendez? Yeah, that's a totally fair question. Four. That's what I was thinking four. of. Four. So, four. So I'm actually four. going somewhere with this, but go ahead. I you know I could possibly argue three as well. Okay. So now that I say that, mm-hmm. so obviously the judges looked like they gave Aldo round two. How important or how effective do you think the fact that those after the buzzer punches to Mendez uh, inflicted or or caused Mendez to maybe lose that second round? Because if you remember, he got mm. he was able to get two, That's two punches That's a really after good the, point to talk about after for, the first round. For those yeah. of you who didn't see it, uh, just after the buzzer uh, of round two. Aldo round one, round one yeah. I'm sorry going into round two mm-hmm. Aldo followed Mendez out with two punches that were clearly after the buzzer but the second one be, being it startled uh, Mendez it knocked pretty him much, down yeah. yeah it knocked him to had the ground had it not been for the gauge he probably would have been on the ground exactly and uh, the the referee uh, it's obviously the ref's fault I mean mm-hmm. it's I don't he blame Jose Aldo he was not in the great Aldo. position he probably should have been in there a little bit earlier I did have some issues right. uh, across the board with uh, Mark Goddard's performance wasn't uh, we'll say I I won't give it marks out of 10. I won't give it a 10, you know, yeah. but he is a very experienced referee. He is an experienced referee, and there's a lot of factors, like we've talked about, that play into to refing. The but crowd was loud, and a lot of people were saying they didn't hear the bell. Right. You know? But um, once again, it's his job to, hear the to bell. separate that and hear yes. the bell and Especially make sure. because if you notice, whenever they do the, the clap, you have the ref acknowledge the clap yeah. to know that there is 10 seconds exactly. left in the That's round, a great you know? point, too. Mm-hmm. And those, I, they weren't just strikes after the buzzer. They were... A strike that knocked him down. If if it would have been before the buzzer, it would have been a knock. It could have been a knockout. Could Agreed. have been a TKO. I think that because it was you know a fraction of a second right after the buzzer. I think my guess is that um, Chad Mendez heard the buzzer, dropped his guard. Uh, the referee had not stopped and was in position yet. His bodily between them. Right, right, right. Um, and perhaps uh, um, sorry, Aldo didn't hear it. Which, you know, you can argue back and forth whether, oh, those Brazilians are cheating and, you know, right. or not. And I don't necessarily believe that that's, uh, that that's the case. I don't necessarily think that Aldo is going for, you know, every little single uh, corner to cut. So I think it was nope. just instinctual. Yeah, um, and it should be. As a fighter, yeah. you should go until someone rips you off your opponent. Yeah, yeah. but that said, 
the, the judges should know to not score that. Now, the question becomes, did the judges also not hear the bell and realize that those were shots after the bell? I'm sure they were informed eventually, but hope so. was hope it so. too but late? It, I don't know. Yeah, presuming they heard the bell, uh, I'm sorry, the, the buzzer, they should know not to count those two strikes yeah. uh, that, that Mendez took against him in the 10-9. Right. I'm just curious if that affected Mendez at all for round two. I think it, it could have affected him well, physically say, more yeah. so than I mean, scorecards. Have you, uh, I don't know. Have you guys ever got rocked on the chin so hard that you are dazed? It, it's like a... You, yeah, talked, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> of course I have. Yeah, we've talked about That's this That's why before. I don't fight. <laughs> it, it's it's a really sucky feeling, and it takes a lot out of you physically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not, I mean, emotionally, yeah, but physically, it's like, it's draining. It's yeah. like, you know, you you almost just got knocked out. Yeah. You, he was seconds away from that being, a, you know, a KO. You know, there's some parallels. It's a different scenario, but there's some parallels even to... Uh, a few shows ago, Tim Kennedy and Yoro Romero. Right. When things are happening in the very last uh. minute and certain shots, um, I, I don't believe that that le- shots after the bell, I don't believe that was necessarily the case in no. the Kennedy Romero one, but you know, those shots that stunned Romero at the end of the match where Kennedy supposedly was holding on to the glove. And then he is. delayed the corner and all that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Was Romero on the verge of being finished? At the beginning of that next round, right? Because Kennedy had nailed him so hard at right. the end of the previous one, you know, um, those things like that, as well as somebody getting the going for a takedown and the guy who's being taken down grabbing the cage, right? Does that affect? These are things that we can't rewind and go back on. Um, you know, it, it happens in the heat of the moment in the action, and unfortunately, it's a part of the sport. You know? uh, yeah, at the end of the day, these are all factors of fighting. And uh, I was talking; I think it was to you guys earlier. I was saying, you know, before the fight is a fight in itself, mm-hmm. the weight cutting, uh, you know, dealing with injuries or sicknesses before your fight. Fighting is is what it sounds like. It's fighting. And it's yeah. not as picture perfect of a sport like other sports are. I mean, like in most sports, like soccer, basketball, lacrosse, when you go in there, when you go on, onto the field or onto the court and play, you're, you know, said to be at your best. You're mm-hmm. healthy. You're relaxed. You had, you had just slept the night before, and, and that's not always the case with fighting. Mm-hmm. Between weight cutting and and all the other factors of fighting, uh, you know, the pre fights a fight in itself. So yeah. there's so much so much that ties into it that we could blame wins or losses on. And we yeah. do this, we go back and forth with this all the time, specifically here in this room, saying, oh, well, you know, he had this problem and I give him leniency for this. But at the end of the day, they're all factors, you know, they go into every fight, so. Well, it, they're factors, but what happens between, from bell to bell, right. that's the stuff that you judge mm-hmm. the match itself on. Right. That's the stuff that the referee is responsible for moderating. Yes. That's the stuff that the judges decide on. They don't worry about what's happening in the training room previously, um, but it is subjective thing. You know, we don't have instant replay yet in this sport. That's something that the bigger stick and ball sports do benefit from. You That's know, true. whether a, a tackle uh, and a touchdown, did the guy get the ball over the line or not? You can go back and take a look in a TV monitor. That's true. And, um, and, and alter the decision. Whereas yeah. in MMA, once a decision's made, it's made. Yeah, that's yeah. it's usually final. There's I've never seen like a reverse call. You know, in football, it's like oh the I don't know much about football, but oh that kick was reversed or whatever it is (laughs) (laughs) that first down was reversed it's instant replay would not be a bad thing to bring into uh into sports Uh the there's an economical issue that's that's kind of interesting it's something that probably could be uh could be uh, covered and and, um excuse me uh you know paid for uh by the ufc or, or or justified 
at this high level of MMA, but when you're talking about smaller promotions, um, first of all, it would be instant replay would be something that's brought in and decided to to be included by the state athletic commissions. So that's state right. by state, you know. And a, pr- a promotion as big as the UFC could be able to afford adding that. Now, will it even? I mean, it may possibly be a, a financial responsibility of the state athletic commission because that's aiding in them. Uh, regulating and officiating the sport itself. Right. If it That's, was, it's not for, uh, it's not necessarily the UFC's responsibility. Although, right. you know, they, they very well, I could see them, you know, paying Taking for over that. that responsibility. Yeah. Right. yeah. If, if it was the state athletic commission's responsibility, then it would probably be easier to get passed because then the individual smaller promotions wouldn't be, you know, at fault to pay for it. Where right, if they yes. were, it would be very hard. But it, but then it becomes a budgetary issue for the state athletic right, commissions, so. and they don't necessarily want to foot that bill. Yeah, maybe, maybe in the future. But we yeah. have a couple exciting things to talk about because we haven't seen you guys in so long. Uh, <laughs> we have Ronda Rousey announced versus Kat Zingano, a fight that every women's MMA, every MMA fan has been waiting for. I know I certainly have been. Uh, Kat Zingano has been one of the top-ranked bantamweight females in MMA for so long now. And I think it was her shot before it was Liz Carmucci's, before it was Alexis Davis, before it was all these women. So I'm so glad it's finally happening. Um, I'm going to just make a quick prediction here, even though it's it's a little early. I'm going to see you guys before then. But Katz and Gano is known to come out slow in the first round. Ronda Rousey is known to come out fast with those two factors in play. I call it first round finish, Ronda Rousey. Wow. Yeah. Not even giving Katz and Gano a chance. No. I, I've seen it too many times. Every time Katzengano fights somebody, they say, oh, that first round sucks. She came out so slow. First time you see Ronda Rousey fights, the first round's so yeah. fast. I mean, just those paces. If Kat doesn't pick it up, I think Ronda's got her. Yeah. I think it's going to go to the second. All right. I, I I understand what you're saying, but I do think that Kat, after... I mean, that's what training camps are for, so, I mean, you got to... Yeah. Yeah, this is... Uh, like they know they know their flaws, you know? Well, yeah, of course she does. But uh, even this last fight, when Kat Zingano fought... Um, she did lose that first round. They, she said it after the fight. She's like, I still got to work on coming out slow. Yeah. So she's been working on coming out faster in every training camp, I think, for yeah. the past couple of years. She, it's been a I mean, she reoccurring issue. She has fought in like a year and a half, too. So maybe that has something to That's do with another it. She's trying to too. get back in the groove. Now that she's got in that groove, who knows? Who knows Let's how say. successful she If there's be, a match know? that she is going to have... Her perfect game, for which she's going to have her perfect game. It will be this one with Ronda, yeah. and I think that you know, knowing knowing her flaws, if that's what uh, we want to dub them as, uh, she'll fix that and she will overcome that. Uh, so I think it will go to the second. I think it'll be more of. I'm just wondering, do we call it a dog fight or do we call it a cat fight? Oh, <laughs> you know, um, uh, not to be not to be genderist or sexist here, you know, dogs and cats, but uh, I think it'll be a nice scrap. I think it'll be a lot uh, a lot more competitive than a lot of people are going to expect it to be. Mm. I can understand why they'll uh, uh, why there will be some some doubt about that, right? Just because this has been a delayed match for such a long time for mm. scheduling and personal problems doesn't necessarily dictate that it's going to be. A competitive one. That said, for Cat, who's the only person that uh, the person that has the most uh, involved and most at stake in this match, um, she's had this long a time to to realize to let that the, the depth of this match set into her, and I don't right. doubt that she's going to come in as focused as ever. Yeah, I'm sure she'll be focused. I just think physically, I don't think it's like a decision thing. I think it's 
physicality. I don't think you she's think as fast as Ronda. Yeah, I just don't physically think her body will. I mean, even look at the body structure. Put Ronda Rousey next to Katzengano. Mm-hmm. Katzengano has body mass on Ronda mm-hmm. by a long mile, mm-hmm. and I mean that alone tells me you know she's slower she's bigger she's a little mm-hmm. slower though Rhonda might be smaller but she's i think she's meaner and i think she's faster mm-hmm. and i think she's super powerful so i don't think that Rhonda's size difference takes away from her power yeah that being said once again i think it's gonna be for and that's the co-main to, to jones and cormier Dece- uh, sorry january 3rd yeah. january 3rd yes and then that one came velasquez you got hurt oh hurt. boy Man, yeah mexico card has fallen apart it's been three weeks already from the suite to the street, Cain Velasquez bummed. is out, unfortunately, with a uh, torn MRI. Is that correct, I believe? ACL? Not ACL. No? Well, I no. thought MRI is what you I'm do s- to... Not an MRI. M- <laughs> MCL. Pardon me. Yep. I was like, do I not know Her about in law this? and me in medicine. And believe me, all of you guys are better <laughs> for it. Trust. Um, yeah, out with a, uh, a torn... MCL, MCL, and which he got an MRI to decide. <laughs> it's uh, it's a really sad uh, sad shame. Although we do have a, a fantastic Cinderella story here. Mark Hunt, number four ranked, very unlikely, uh, number four ranked heavyweight contender coming in and filling in the spot for the interim heavyweight championship fight against Fabricio Verdum. So there you go. Yeah, for, Fabricio Verdum for versus fight. Mark Hunt. Mark is one of these cult <laughs> figures. For those of you that uh, aren't familiar, uh, a lot of his matches are, are there on YouTube and, uh, what's that other one? Fight Pass, 999, <laughs> UFC.com slash Fight Pass. Uh, really worth watching. He is a, I believe, New Zealand kickboxer, uh, fought and, uh, champion in K1. Gotta double check my facts on that, but a star in K1. We just saw a star a fight not too long ago. Yeah, yeah. One of the most fantastic, uh, slobber knocker fights of recent history. Yeah. Mark Roy Hunt against versus. Roy Nelson. Roy Nelson. Well, Roy Nelson and as well. And Antonio Silva as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bigfoot Silva. Big Mark Foot. Hunt versus Bigfoot Silva. Guys, that's your homework today. Go watch that. Go bone up on Mark Hunt because this one's going to be a fun doozy. Fabricio Verdum and Mark Hunt. Yes. Not, not a bad replacement. Uh, I'm sure we'll see Cain Velasquez and, uh, well, the winner. Yeah, I guess not necessarily. I mean, how long Fabrizio. is he going to be out for, Kane Velasquez? Uh, there was talk. Six I believe to a year. Oh, I didn't, I didn't because hear that. he hasn't fought in a year. Javi so, Mendez was quoted, uh, at least in the Observer, uh-huh. of saying uh, the Wrestling Observer newsletter uh, of saying that they were looking at possibly early next year. So maybe early spring 2015 because, because or so. I was thinking, so like a year. Knock on wood. Because yeah. I was thinking, like if he, he's already has the fought in a year, mm-hmm. so how long more of an activity? For you to maybe strip the title. Well, you've got an interim title. And well, I'm saying, but same thing with Burrell. But then eventually right. they strip Cruz of the title because of inactivity. Right. But um, Cruz was continually booked to come back and defend, and then things would go sideways, and Cruz I, was put I, on. I, so to answer your question, again, I think maybe one more time. I think he has some time before. So let's do say. Like so that. let's say uh, Kane fights the winner of this one in May. Mm-hmm. If he gets hurt again, just make the guy the champ, or. What do you mean? If if he if he fights in, if, he, if in he's May, scheduled to fight in May or June, or, and gets you know, hurt again, and then he gets July. hurt again yeah. for oh, okay. a third time. Just, are you saying just strip him because again, it's been a year? Like that's yeah, a long you know, time. I don't you think those things with Dana White. I don't think they're very black and white. I think it's kind of like a gray area where Dana goes, eh, all right, stri-, you know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. he makes the call, uh, you know, yeah. at that time. On some level, you do have to take it as a case by case basis. Yeah, generally it, it speaking, is. I don't think it's a. You but know, you do need to have some policy as well. Because we'll um, unfair to you know everyone else. Yes, it's an interim, mm-hmm. but it's unfair for guys like Verdun who's been training for what? Like he's been well, he's been down for no. He beat a 
Travis Brown not that long ago. Yeah, but he's getting a title shot is the point. I mean, yeah, you can't yeah. just make no, – you, you can't just decide to give strip a guy of a title and then give it to somebody else. You oh, yeah, strip it and you leave it vacant yeah, yeah, yeah. at the worst. Yeah. Right, um, right. Now, I mean, let's talk about this. Fabricio Verdum is the guy that tapped out Fedor Emelianenko in yep. Strike Force. Mark Hunt is not known for his jiu-jitsu at all. He loves to just throw it, but, you know, um, who, who do you got? And Mark Hunt always surprises me with his uh, with his grappling defense. Well, okay, I was going to say he, surprised, he has those, like, one-hit wonders where he's getting, it's like, a, like you said, like a slobber knock fight, and then mm. all of a sudden there's that one punch that Mark Hunt throws, and it's a yeah. it's a KO. Yeah. Um, I, I say Fabricio Verdum, uh, third round submission. Because wow. Verdun's a guy who was in UFC before, mm-hmm. kind of had an okay time, you know, went elsewhere, beat Fedor, you know, I think he lost to Overeem, but that was, that was a weird mm-hmm. fight. But yeah, since he came back to, from UFC to UFC, man, that's that was a been... strategy loss, really. Yeah. yeah, I remember he would keep going to the ground, yeah. and Overeem was standing above Pretty him. Pretty much, yeah. Not a great. Uh... Over, who's Overeem? Overeem is fighting. Oh, Stefan Struve. Yeah. Huh? All right. That's what do you, what do you think, Fedor? Or, sorry, Fedor. Fedor. <laughs> well, he's retired. No, no, so I'm no. Go with the other guy, Verdum versus Hunt. It's gonna be tough. I'm gonna go with. Call? I really want Mark Hunt to win, but I do think Verdun's gonna win. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's that's probably uh, – I'd agree with that. My heart is a little bit with Mark. Just for the, the Cinderella Man story, what's mm-hmm. the guy's record? Like nine and six or so? Yeah. Not one that like you would consider – No, he's more. I think he lost like six fights in a row. I time. thought it was like wow. – yeah, I thought it was like eight and seven. I don't know. I think, I I think he's, got like, he's like 18 and 12 or something. But It's not very good. But certainly just a, a cult figure, one of the most likable guys on camera, just fun to watch, uh, you know, easy on interviews. Um there's just something he's he's got one of those he's got the it factor uh, in in terms of fanfare. So I think there's going to be a a lot of lo- lot of fans pulling for for Mark Hunt. Definitely. Uh, but that McGregor said, is fighting in junior as well though. Hmm? Um, McGregor. Everybody was thinking that he was going to get the next title shot, but they just fights Dennis Seaver against Dennis Seaver yeah. on yeah, a Sunday. Yeah. I don't know how we're going to shoot that day, but that on a U- Sunday that UFC Maybe we'll just have to Boston. Do it. Yeah, we'll just have to do it live. We'll remotely. have to do it live. Oh. Oh, and there, yeah, we can do that. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> was that good acting? Did you have a good? In, it was it's a brainstorm there. No, I was. No, I was she, acting she's as acting if like we were she's doing it live. The fight during the show. Oh, I oh. gotcha. Marisa, I think that's a cue to take us out of here. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm missing Wait, her acting mean? skills, um, hey, they were good. <laughs> wow. Oh, cookie. Yeah, uh, cookie bomb. Jay right Tan, where can we find you? Um, I'm all over the internet. JTAN716. Um, I also want to say, Mom, <clears throat> it's a tactical command center. It's not the basement. That's really important to me, okay? So let's not continue <laughs> that argument. What is this supposed to be? A bat. A bat. Is it that hard? On your cookies. I mean, where's... They're Halloween cookies. Um, you can find me. Get it? Okay, never mind. I got it. It's just a stupid <laughs> joke. Um, that was a really stupid joke. Hey, I, I admit my flaws. I'm not going to knock it out of the park every single time. What oh, if I dip God. this Oreo in water? Uh, you can find me at uh, Twitter and Instagram <laughs> at Ghermoza. G-H-E-R-M-O-Z-A. Uh, you can find me on The League After Buzz because you guys don't want to. We're not good come. enough, so no. you have to do another After Buzz. Show. Yeah, pretty much. But I do like you guys. And, and, and props to you. I know, I know I said, I was going to set it on the phone the other day. Uh, went out to your fight. Loved it. Loved the fact even more that pretty much after the fight, everybody was like your fan. Whether it's, uh, men, teenagers, women, kids. Yeah. Kids like going up to you and pretty much the impact that you had on that little girl. 
like I, I saw, like you can tell that she's going to be a fighter because of Daria, the Jersey Red Devil, whatever your nickname is, <laughs> or as the as the as the ring ring announcer would say, Daria. Berenato! <laughs> nice. That was very good. He did say it just like that. Thank, thank you, him. George. Um, <laughs> thank you guys for coming out to my fight. It was two hours away in Victorville. Um, yeah, it took me like four hours, though. It's two hours away, lost, but it took me four hours. Didn't you? Yeah, oh, did. boy. Well, next time, Google Maps. Next time, have a closer fight. At the U of <laughs> MMA. At the U of MMA. Nice Nokia done. Live. Or Nokia Center. Club Nokia. Club Nokia. Club Nokia Los Angeles, California. Uh, don't know when. But it's February, 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 February 2015. Guys, uh, you can find me at DariaB28 on all your social medias. You can also find me on my new Facebook page, Daria the Jersey Devil Baronado. Um, you can also check out my fight there and all other, you know, inside photos from that. Thank you for watching, <laughs> and we will see you. We're not going to see him for Halloween, but we see the week after, November 9th. Yep. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, Buzz you later! later. Uh, the views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.